Let's talk about Medi-Cal. You have a choice, and Molina makes it easy, especially when it comes to the care you need. So let's talk about you, about making your life easier, about extra help to manage your health. Let's talk about your needs now and for the future. Nobody knows Medi-Cal better than Molina. It starts with a phone call. Call 866-420-5330 or visit meetmolinaca.com. Let's talk today. Welcome everybody to F1 Nation with me, Tom Clarkson, as we review the 2022 United States Grand Prix. No Damon or Natalie this weekend, so my teammates are Formula 2 champion Felipe Drogovic and Diego Mejia, who works for Fox Sports and ESPN. And we have an action-packed show coming your way in no particular order. And I hope I've remembered everyone that we've got on the show. We speak to Otmar Safnauer, Christian Horner, Fernando Alonso, Sebastian Vettel, Mick Schumacher, Tom McCulloch from Aston Martin, Andreas Seidel from McLaren, Alex Albon, Theo Porcher, and reigning IndyCar champion, Alex Palau. He is catching, he is catching, he's going to go attack for the lead, he's down the inside and Max Verstappen takes the lead at the US Grand Prix but Hamilton's still with him, he hasn't given up. So close, so far. It's another victory in 2022, Max Verstappen wins the US Grand Prix. Max Verstappen, you are world champion, we are world champions, thank you so much and Thank you, Dietrich Mateschitz. These championships are for you. Thank you. Two weeks ago in Japan, Max Verstappen wins the Drivers' Championship. And here at Kota, Red Bull are the Constructors' Champions of 2022. Richly deserved, of course, on what has been a very difficult weekend for the team with the death of Dietrich Mateschitz on Saturday. And what a brilliant gift to his memory this championship is and of course Max Verstappen winning this Grand Prix now without Damon this weekend I'm delighted to say that we have Formula 2 champion Felipe Drogovic is with us Felipe are you okay yeah uh, good Tom thank you very much and of course you are Aston Martin's uh, reserve driver these days my goodness I want to talk to you about Vettel what are you feeding him these days I mean that drive incredible yeah, that's uh, what I just told them, and they should bring me more often because, uh, yeah, first race that I come, the car is very fast, the drivers are doing exceptionally well, and yeah, I think uh, he did a mega job. I mean, it's been a tremendous Grand Prix full stop, I feel, here at Cota. And joining me in Felipe, I'm delighted to say we have Diego Mejia from, uh, what do we call it, Fox TV in Mexico and ESPN in Colombia. The rest of Latin America, basically. Oh, Thank basically. you, Tom. The whole of Latin America. Diego. But Brazil. But Brazil. Okay. <laughs> Thanks for the clarification. But Diego, lovely to have you on the show as well. I mean, how do you sum up everything that we've seen? Just big picture stuff first everything that's happened this weekend well i think um, first is finally Red Bull wrapping up uh, a season in which they have dominated in a way that uh, obviously brings back memories of their days with Vettel the fact that this car has been the winningest creation of Adrian Nui i think sums up how good a job they done with the RB18 in the middle of what was developing developing a car while fighting for the championship last year. There's obviously the cost cap thing on the background, still going, but that moves aside uh, with what happened this weekend, the news of Dietrich Matricic, um dying, sadly. 
whenever you think of Dietrich Matschitz, or at least myself, I, you think of a guy that gives young guys opportunities. Many drivers, uh, many athletes, uh, motorcycle racers, everywhere. He's given plenty of guys opportunities that uh, is not easy, no? And giving young talent opportunity like Christian Horner, you know, he was the youngest team principal for a while and what a job he's done, you know. I think the tears in his eyes sum up uh, the emotion of uh, giving this to Dietrich in such a, such a great year for them. And of course, Felipe, you have raced so many Red Bull young drivers in your career so far. I mean, you haven't been on the Red Bull roster, you're an Aston Martin guy now, but just give us your thoughts on Dietrich Mateschitz. Yeah, uh, I think I agree with uh, what has been said. I think it's it's been a, a really um, very good guy that I mean that could help a lot of athletes uh, in all the sports. He's been helping everyone that uh, you know he's kind of uh, liking for. And then, uh, also in F1, I think what he's done in F1 has been a pretty massive thing. I think no one expected some you know energy drinks company to do what he's done. So. Yeah, it's uh, it's something really remarkable, and for sure this uh, this title is going to be <laughs> thankful. Actually, Diego, I thought there was some lovely touches um, this Sunday here in in Austin. You know, all the senior management wearing jeans <laughs> because that's what Dietrich always wore. And then, of course, he was a mad fan of the Rolling Stones. In the background now, you may be able to hear that is the Rolling Stones playing in the Red Bull garage as the celebrations post race continue. So, you know. What a, what a guy, loved by everybody in Formula One and, and will be much missed. Yeah, and on top of that, we had a great spectacle here at Cota today. I think, from my memory at least, some people might contest this, but I think it has been the best race we've seen here at Cota for, for a while. I mean, it, it's been... Hang on, contest. I'm contesting that. I thought last year was pretty damn good. Okay, but here we had three different teams fighting for, for the victory, you know. At some point, it looked like uh, Mercedes' victory for the first time is this year was on the table. Max obviously had his own ideas and he had the pace and and he wrapped it up beautifully. There was this tension about the track limits in the last part of the race, but once Lewis was in the same situation, it, it was probably finished at the front in the terms of the fight for victory. Also Aston leading. <laughs> oh yeah. Sebastian Vettel leading indeed. But can we talk before we come on to that? Um, about about the pace of Red Bull here. I mean, let's look at the hard facts, okay? Max Verstappen had a pit stop that cost him 11 seconds. He came out behind Charles Leclerc, had to overtake him, then make up the six seconds to Lewis Hamilton in front, overtake Lewis Hamilton, and then pull out three seconds before the checkered flag. I mean, you could argue this was one of their most dominant performances of the entire season. Yeah, for sure, uh, you could. Um, yeah, I think the car has been uh, amazing. Ob obviously, Max has done uh, exceptionally well in every race, so that's out of context anymore. <laughs> so, yeah, I think the car has been great in every in every circuit, but this one they've really nailed it in. Uh, I think also combination with fast corners and 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 slow speed also with these straights that we have here, I think it's perfect combination for that car, and for sure it showed them track. We're just with uh, Christian Horn. He's wearing his champions T-shirt. They've been ready for a while, I guess. Yeah, I don't know about that, but uh, look, I mean, it's just an amazing, after such an emotional weekend, uh, you know, to get that result here, to win the race after the difficulty with the pit stop. You know, after all the emotion of this weekend, we're losing Dietrich yesterday. It's been a most phenomenal uh, 
you know, team effort, you know, not just today, but all year. And, um, you know, obviously we would like to dedicate this championship, you know, in honor of his memory. Can we start by talking about Dietrich and the impact he's had on you personally, Christian? I'd like a memory if possible, but also what he's done for the sport of motor racing. Well, look, I mean, he was a giant of a man. He was a man who, who you know, had a vision and he had a determination that, and he inspired so many. And, uh, you know, he was one of, a, you know, one of those very rare human beings that, that uh, you, you know, that just did some remarkable things. And what he, not just what he did with the energy drink, but across a multitude of sports and activities, the amount of opportunity that he gave to people and young people he never stopped supporting and giving youth a chance, um, whether it was drivers, whether it was skiers, whether it was you know tennis players, whatever sport he touched. And uh, you know, but particularly his heart was very close to Formula One, and uh, I'll be forever indebted the opportunity he gave me, the support, the advice, you know. And he was there on the difficult days, you know. He was unwavering in his in his support of the team. Um, and, uh, you know, he always used to tell me, look, no risk, no fun. Um, and, uh, you know, that was, his, that was his mantra. He lived life to the full. And, uh, you know, he just did things differently and he wasn't afraid to do things differently. And he wasn't afraid to take on the establishment. And, uh, you know, he was just the most wonderful human being that, uh, you know, we'll very sadly miss. And, uh, but his spirit will live on. You know, his legacy will live on, his spirit is embodied throughout Red Bull, is embodied throughout this team. And, uh, you know, what we've done today is is all down to that spirit. Christian, your record in Formula One speaks for itself, so please take my next question the right way. But you were incredibly young when you came in in 2005. You had next to no experience in Formula One. I mean, why did he take a risk on you? Can you just give us some insight into the conversations that went on? He was prepared to give youth a chance, as he did with drivers and so on. And, uh, you know, I guess he saw in me that, that you know, Helmut put me in front of him. Um, and, uh, you know, I'd raced against Helmut in Formula 3000, what's now Formula 2. And he said, I think, you know, I think this kid's worth a go. And, you know, I sat down with Dietrich and, and the moment you saw, he just didn't want to take part in Formula One. He wanted to compete. He had a dream. He had a vision. He was a blue sky thinker, and it was just so infectious. And uh, you know, I was I was 31, um, by far the youngest team principal, you know, in the sport. And he gave me the chance, and he gave me the backing, and he gave me the you know the support. And he was always there. He was always there if you know if you needed him. Um, you know, there you could. There was always there to bounce something off him. Wow. Very powerful words, Christian. Can I can I just bring it on to to this race today? I thought you showed true dominance. I mean, Max can have a pit stop that lasts 11 seconds. He can come out behind Charles Leclerc, overtake Charles Leclerc, make up six seconds, pass Lewis Hamilton, put three seconds on Lewis Hamilton before the, before the checkered flag. I mean, one of your more dominant races. I think I think Dietrich would have been sitting up there. I think he would have enjoyed that one. I think he, if 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 the first race he wasn't here for, we'd have lost to Mercedes this year. But, uh, but uh, you know, we made it, we did it the hard way. And um, I think that, the, you know, Max has just been phenomenal all year, the way he's driven. And, and of course, the, the, the pit stop was, was slow, um, but he got his composure. 
Um, and then he just made it happen. And, you know, of course, he had to clear Charles quickly and then hunt down Lewis. Um, it has always been very, very strong at this circuit. And the one opportunity he had, he, he went for it. And then, of course, he needed to break that DRS. And bit by bit, he was able to gradually do that and, um, and then bring it home. And uh, it was tremendously emotional. And that's why I sent Helmut up on the podium today, you know, as Dietrich's friend um, and, and compatriot. And, 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 you know, again, someone that's played such a key role in everything we do to say, look, today is about Dietrich and, and for him. And, uh, you know, hearing the Austrian national anthem was a very emotional moment for all of us. And for all of us watching, Christian, many congratulations from all of us. You could hear the emotion in Christian's voice then. Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, um, when you saw the tears in his eyes, uh, it's, it's such a great season for them. I don't think they ever envisaged to be at this level while trying to give Lewis a run for the money last year for the championship. And uh, uh, you, when you see the, the images of the people that have been with the team since the very beginning, you know, uh, it's not only uh, when you see Helmut, when you see Christian, when you see Adrian, you see guys like Jonathan Whitley, who has been absolutely vital to to the team, and uh, yeah, they I think they had they have a very strong nucleus, and to that a lot of great talent attaches. Final final thoughts from you, Felipe, just on on, on Red Bull and everything they've achieved. Yeah, I mean, uh, as he was saying that the the. You can see in his face is very emotional about this, and as he should be. I think it's something that uh, is going to go down to the history. So yeah, something that they need to to enjoy. Hey, Felipe. By the way, did you get a, a selfie with Brad Pitt this weekend? <laughs> no. Did you get close? Yeah, I got really close. He was in our in our team, and uh, even for FP3, I guess. He yes, was in our that's team. why I'm asking. And you yeah. didn't do it. No, he you was actually it. behind me. But <laughs> you bottled it. I, I wouldn't say I bottled it, but I was like, ah, I don't ask for it. Do you know what, Diego? It is incredible. In fact, I'm gonna I'm gonna do a Murray Walker and in, interrupt myself, and I'm gonna ask Tom McCulloch to join the podcast. Uh, I've asked Felipe, what are you feeding Sebastian Vettel at the minute, Tom? Uh, Tom being, of course. Uh, chief engineer at, at Aston Martin, but Vettel is driving out of his skin. <laughs> He's yeah, he really had it hooked up well today. Um, the car's performing, and then you, you noticed, don't you? It made the car a little bit more competitive. Two drivers had great pace at the start of the race, so it was nice to be up there at the front. But yeah, overall. Uh, He's got his mojo back and he's enjoying himself, he's relaxed. Hopefully he keeps that up to the end of the year. Tell us about your racing car, because without wanting to be rude, it wasn't great when it came out of the box at the start. Is that, right? that is rude. <laughs> but you then bring the upgrades to Barcelona. It took a while for you to get those to work. And I've, I felt I saw a noticeable step forward after the summer break. What happened then? Why did it? Why was the car so much better then? Yeah, well spotted, Tom. So conceptually, the car was very different, as you say, for Barcelona. Ever since that point, we've been, on a di you know, going back to a, a development path that we had looked at during the winter, and we just got our heads down and just pushed on that, bringing updates to the floor mainly, but event after event, you know, front wing, floor, rear wing, um, making the car more competitive. So that's that's what we've been doing, chipping away. That's what it's all about, isn't it? So Lance's accident 
with Fernando. Uh, good to see your 2023 teammates uh, getting off to a good start. Ultimate is a racing incident, isn't it? They're both uh, pushing hard, um, very, very close, and uh, no one wants to see an accident like that. So, yeah, not ideal, but that is motor racing sometimes. Well, look, it's great to see the car going so well. Catch up with you soon. Thank you. That is uh, Tom McCulloch, who is chief engineer. Now, look, I mentioned that accident, and I wasn't in any way being flippant, only that, it, of course, it was the two Aston Martin um, teammates for next year. Um, almost like you couldn't make it up. But, Felipe, from a racing driver's point of view, what did you make of the accident? I mean, it was really close uh, from both. Um, I think you can't really blame one or the other there. I think, for sure, we all know what each one we're trying to do. And so Lance was trying to move out the last minute so he can defend better. So the other one probably lifts up a little bit and then uh, and Fernando was trying to get as close as possible to get more speed and then yeah I think it was a little bit too close for for comfort and yeah the small touch uh, it was actually not a big touch but because of the front wing broken the car just went up you are going to be driving uh, the Aston Martin in FP1 in Abu Dhabi um, what's the process between now and then have you had a seat fit yeah but the, the seat fit um, which was uh, really cool to, to get that done. Uh, first contact with the team, did some simulator work, and, um, and now I'm going to be back at the team, do a lot more sim work, and then I'm going to be in Brazil, obviously, <laughs> uh, following the weekend and doing what I've been doing this weekend here, and then off to Abu Dhabi to do the FP1 and also the last race in F2 because it's still not finished. It was an extraordinary situation here. We had five young drivers doing uh, FP1s, and I'm going to list them now. Alex Palau from... Uh, McLaren, we had Antonio Giovinazzi, well, doing three laps in the Haas. Then Logan Sargent got his first run uh, for Williams. Robert Schwartzman in the Ferrari, Teo Pacer uh, in the Alfa Romeo, and even Mario Andretti, aged 82, <laughs> in the 2013 McLaren. But, um, Diego, what did you make of... Who was... Who put in the best FP1 performance of those young guys for you? Well, I think uh, it's... I don't think it's easy for these guys to go into FP1 with all, you know, you, you saw what happened to Giovinazzi. None of them wanted to do that. I think uh, Palo did a pretty good job. He was running a race simulation simultaneously with Ocon, and he, his times looked pretty much on the money, so I think he did a pretty good job. Timing is everything in life, isn't it? In, in, certainly in this Formula One paddock. How, Felipe, as, as a young up-and-coming driver, do you position yourself to, to be in the best car at the best time? So much of a driver's success is based around that, isn't it? Yeah, um, but I think in F1 you need to start somewhere. And uh, most of the top teams are not putting young drivers straight in. So, um, of course, I got, the, I got the opportunity with Aston now. And I'm developing a lot with them. I'm helping the team also to, to develop. And... You know, we talk about top teams, but hopefully one day I'll get the opportunity there and the team uh, is growing a lot. So, yeah, we have to wait and see. How much support are you feeling from Brazil? I mean, you must be, the, the country must be willing. You see that the fan base has grown a lot, like everywhere, but you must be hoping that this next great driver from Brazil comes up as, as it, was, it used to be a long time ago. Yeah, yeah, I know that the, the fan base in Brazil is huge and... Even when I announced, it was crazy. Like uh, the amount of followers, the amount of messages that I got was uh, just crazy. And you can see people are really supporting. They're really 
how can I say, lonely of a you know, a Brazilian from uh, own driver. So you're waiting for someone to to go up there and represent the country. How much? support do you have from companies in Brazil? I mean, it's a huge market for Formula One. You don't have to go too far back to a time when there were 30 million people in Brazil watching Formula One. We haven't had a Brazilian driver since Felipe Massa. I mean, is there, do you feel now that you're F2 champion, there's a, a wave of support pushing you along now? Yeah, there is. Uh, I think I didn't feel any of that before the, the F2 champion, uh, the F2 championship, but for sure now, uh, things have changed and, and I can really feel a big difference and people are pushing me a lot now. Okay. Now, look, let's talk uh, now about Mercedes this weekend. They brought an upgrade. Uh, there was controversy over the front wing, which they didn't actually get to race, but there were still new parts to the floor. I think there was a bit of weight saving and a bit of this and a bit of that. Undoubtedly, in my mind, it was a step forward in terms of performance. I think... Um, as Christian just said, Lewis always goes very well here. But Diego, how did you see the performance of Mercedes this weekend? Yeah, I was uh, kind of uh, like, I guess, like them waiting to see how the new surface would probably help them or hamper her, hamper them. Sorry. So in the end, it looked like they, the car looked quite on the edge, like on a knife edge in FP3 ahead of qualifying. I guess they were a bit disappointed with the result in qualifying, but as has been the tendency all year long. They tend to be very strong in race pace. It was the case again. Lewis obviously raced up to the opportunity of eventually fighting for victory. And uh, in the end, uh, I guess, like he summed it up, there was nothing much more that he could do against Verstappen in the end. Yeah, he was a bit of a sitting duck in the end. But uh, we'll come back to Mercedes because uh, Alpine team principal Otmar Safnauer is with us now. Um, wow. Fernando Alonso. At one point, he looked like he was, uh, you know, taking off at Austin Airport. What an incredible race by him. Yeah, amazing race by Fernando. Um, and un unfortunately, when the accident happened, he was on the better tire, and we had to come in and get, get, he only did a lap on the good tire. So we ended up doing the entire race on the hard, and which isn't ideal, but uh, he did a great job. What about the performance of the car this weekend? Well, it was, uh, it, it was looking good. Um, you know, we're comfortably quicker than the McLarens in both cars, with both cars. Um, but unfortunately, well, we saw what happened and the accident didn't help us. And like I said, we had to do the entire race on the hard tire, which wasn't tire to be on. Quick question about Esteban. I felt he did one of his best races in Formula One last time out at Suzuka. And yet seemed to struggle this weekend what, what were his issues well his, his issues were he had a bit of oversteer on his uh, in his qualifying lap which is the first time it happened through the S's and uh, you know when, when you get oversteer the S's are pretty quick and uh, he, he was just um, couldn't get his lap in and then qualified 18th and we then decided to uh, get him a new powertrain for the rest of the season starting the pit lane and once you start in the pit lane it's pretty difficult but uh, yeah, he came close to the points. He went from last to 11. Three races to go. One hand on that P4. Yeah, we've uh, yeah three races to go. We've uh, we've got a good car, two good drivers. We just have to perform in the races, and uh, we'll have two hands on the P4. <laughs> oh, well, many thanks. If you're shopping while working, eating, or even listening to this podcast, then you know and love the thrill of the hunt. But are you getting the thrill of the best deals? 
Rakuten shoppers do. They get the brands they love with the most savings and cash back. And you can get it too. Start getting cash back at your favorite stores like Bloomingdale's, Levi's, and Zappos. And even stack sales on top of cash back. It's easy to use and you get cash back through PayPal or check. The idea is simple. Stores pay Rakuten for sending them shoppers. And Rakuten shares the money with you as cash back. Download the free Rakuten app and never miss a deal. Or go to Rakuten.com to start getting the most bang for your buck. That's R-A-K-U-T-E-N. Let's talk about Medi-Cal. You have a choice, and Molina makes it easy, especially when it comes to the care you need. So let's talk about you, about making your life easier, about extra help to manage your health. Let's talk about your needs now and for the future. Nobody knows Medi-Cal better than Molina. It starts with a phone call. Call 866-420-5330 or visit meetmolinaca.com. Let's talk today. Felipe, when I think of Alpine, at the forefront of my mind still, even a few months on, is Oscar Piastri and the whole shenanigans surrounding him. Of course, he's going to be racing for McLaren uh, next year. Alpine thought they had him. You've raced Oscar a lot in Formula 2. Can you just give us a little bit of insight into what kind of a driver he is? Yeah, uh, well, I've raced with him in 2021. Uh, uh, no need to say he's a good driver, but uh, yeah, it was impressively good for him that, uh, you know, he got into the championship, got used to the tyres, which is something quite different, difficult to do in, in Formula 2 for the first year. And, uh, you know, started delivering already from race 2 or 3 and, yeah, and I've stopped, so that's uh, where the points came from and won the championship. So, yeah, very well done for him. Yeah, very well done for him. Good uh, scoop for McLaren to have him lining up alongside Lando Norris next year. But we're interrupting ourselves. We now have uh, McLaren team principal Andreas Seidel with us. Uh, hey, P6 for Lando Norris. Great race. Ah, oh, yeah, very happy with the, with the outcome. Uh, being the best car behind the usual uh, top three teams is... Uh, means we pretty much maximize everything we had this weekend great job by the team strategy pit stops and uh, great drive for Lando. I'm looking at 20 cars you're looking at two cars so you can give us more insight now I felt Lando's car came alive latterly in that race in the later stages is that true is, is that a, a reflection of what happened no I think uh, we had decent pace all, all race we were pretty much unlucky to be honest with uh, Lando today in the race he lost the positions Turn one with the incident in front of him, we had to break. Um, he lost positions because of the safety car when he pitted before, and then some cars jumped him because of the safety car. Then the car was heavily damaged by the incident in front of him between Stroll and uh, Fernando, but he he still kept it cool uh, together with the team and just kept going. And yeah, great result in the end. How do you see the battle for P4 in the constructors' championship? You've closed it by a little bit. Yeah, we be tight battle. Uh, these last three races, uh, Alpine is, has a strong car as well, two strong drivers. Just need to focus on ourselves, execute clean weekends, try to hang in there until the last lap in Abu Dhabi, and that's hopefully enough to be ahead in the end. Which which racetrack will will suit your car the best of these last three? As we have seen so far this week, uh, this year with these new cars, impossible to predict. <laughs> yeah, now we have seen it goes backwards, forwards, uh, from weekend to weekend. It depends on many different things. Of course, the track layout, but also ambient conditions, tire selection. Um, uh, so difficult to predict, and also the Astons, for example. 
this weekend were quite strong as well, so they, it seemed that they have found something as well. So it uh, will be a tough battle, not just against the Alpines, uh, against uh, several other teams as well. So let's make sure we keep scoring and then uh, hopefully it's enough. Best of luck. So team, we keep trying to talk about Mercedes. We keep getting interrupted. Uh, look, the last guy on the subject of um, Mercedes I wanted to talk about was George Russell and the incident at turn one, okay, between him and Carlos Sainz. Racing driver, what was your read of what happened there? Uh, that was really tough to, to predict because you can see Carlos was trying to, you know, keep going around the outside, but when he realized Stappen was going to close the door on him, he tried to cut back. And at that point, uh, for sure, George wasn't expecting that. And, you know, he was already there, so nothing he could do. Um, I mean, obviously, uh, Carlos didn't have a, wasn't his fault as well because he, he didn't know there was a car there. So, you know, it's those incidents that uh, you can blame anyone. Yeah, I agree with, with Felipe. I think uh, Carlos was trying to, you know, give a, take a run back on, on Max on the exit, like try, trying to put the throttle before, because Max was really going deep into the corner. But uh, probably behind the, the battle between the two Mercedes was, was getting a bit hot because they were actually running side by side. It was George on the inside, Luis on the outside. And yeah, I think that trajectory is somehow crossed, unfortunately for George, and there wasn't much he could do about it. But uh, yeah, for sure there was no intention of him running into into Carlos, which unfortunately marks yeah another consecutive retirement for for him. Uh, a shame because it, it was building into a very nice weekend for for Carlos. I'm going to interrupt. We have no, no, Alex, Alex, you are. This is Alex Albon. This is your show. You know, I I I'm in my hospitality. I open the blind and I'm just looking for you to walk down with your microphone so I can just run out and, and talk on the show. We are heading towards Williams to speak to you, big man. Look, oh my God, it's getting noisy. But look, Alex, quickly, um, you're very blonde this weekend. Thank you. Not blonde all over, though, you revealed the other day. No, I got caught out with that that, that reply from Lewis. Um, I just, I mean, I'm, a, I'm an innocent guy. I, I, don't, I don't have dirty thoughts, you know. Um, yeah. I mean, the blonde didn't work this weekend. It almost did. Well, can I? I beg to differ, actually, because the team wasn't that confident coming into this weekend. Yet you were what two hundreds from Q3? Phenomenal Saturday for you. It was. It was actually, uh, honestly, as the weekend goes, it's, it's one of them ones where I don't think on paper it looks impressive or like uh, like a good weekend, but it it was. It was a. Uh, we did a really good job on Saturday. Today we've we've also done a, a good job honestly we you know we were fighting for points until the last four or five laps and we were hoping for another spa but we but well, we we didn't get that we were hoping for um, a safety car or something because the daycare was unbelievable the wind being as strong as it was it just we we're just sliding every corner slide slide um, had some good battles with Seb um, he got past me unfortunately and that was it. Final question from me is, um, where were you on the golf chart? Just for people listening who weren't aware, there was a driving range at one end of the paddock. I, I fancied Alex Albon. You did? Yeah. You did. Well, uh, I appreciate that. Um, I have the reach. I'm tall. I'm more athletic than Lando, but he did beat me. He actually was phenomenal, like 305, 305 yards. So this is the story, OK? Are you ready, everybody at home? Settle in. Um, I had, tw my, my girlfriend is a professional golfer, by the way, 
and she was overseeing this. I had maybe 30 swings, which is a lot apparently. Lando had like 100. He was there non-stop. So he only did you because he got more practice, is that what you're saying? If I did 100 laps in Q2, I would have got into Q3. <laughs> that's, that's I like the analogy. That's a good example. Like, yeah, yeah. yeah, I like that. <laughs> <laughs> but where, what was your distance? Uh, mine was 288, so I was second. Oh, okay, close, close. I'm um, second position, I'll take it. You know, if, I, if you said that to me as a race result, I would have been very happy with it. Boys, we're going down to McLaren. We need to interview Lando Norris about this right now. Hey, Alex, thanks for coming on the show. See ya. Bye. Friend of the show, Alex Albon. If you're shopping while working, eating, or even listening to this podcast, then you know and love the thrill of the hunt. But are you getting the thrill of the best deals? Rakuten shoppers do. They get the brands they love with the most savings and cash back. And you can get it too. Start getting cash back at your favorite stores like Bloomingdale's, Levi's, and Zappos. And even stack sales on top of cash back. It's easy to use and you get cash back through PayPal or check. The idea is simple. Stores pay Rakuten for sending them shoppers. And Rakuten shares the money with you as cash back. Download the free Rakuten app and never miss a deal. Or go to Rakuten.com to start getting the most bang for your buck. That's R-A-K-U-T-E-N. While we're talking all things McLaren, I caught up with the 2021 IndyCar champion Alex Palau, who drove in FP1 and had some really interesting things to say about what he got up to and the comparisons between IndyCar and Formula One. Alex, I've grabbed you as you've just got out of the McLaren after FP1, 21 laps. That's a big smile on your face. How was it? It was amazing, man. Um, just had tons of fun. But I had tons of fun since Thursday when I got to the track. Uh, started learning everybody from the team. Started working with uh, all the engineers, the mechanics, uh, Daniel Lando. Um, and then obviously the, that hour and those 21 laps were super special. Um, yeah, probably the best moment was pulling out of the guards for the first time. Um, didn't stall, nothing crazy <laughs> Is happened. Is that what you were thinking? Don't stall, don't stall. No, <laughs> to be honest, I had a bit of experience um, and they are pretty difficult to stall nowadays. Um, but I don't know, you never know what can happen, right? So I was just there um, and and knowing that it was the first uh, official practice I was doing all the fans and driving a McLaren car, it was awesome. What was the program? And, and were you doing exactly what Daniel would have done had he been in the car? Um, it was a bit different, obviously. Um, we did, at the beginning, first 10, 15 minutes, we did all of aero collection for the team. Um, so we had all these um, amazing sensors around the car um, so the engineers could uh, check everything. Um, then we stopped without pushing any lap. It was just doing uh, constant speed laps. Um, and then we started cracking on with our program. We had probably five six laps of qualifying uh, and then we did a little bit of long run at the end but we only used one set of tires um, which then if Daniel was in the car they would have used two but obviously the uh, target for our session was not to try and post a good lap time was to get the data and to get me comfortable um, and we already stole Daniel one hour in the car so we didn't want to steal uh, one hour and tired, so um, yeah. What are these cars like to drive? Because you know you're the reigning IndyCar champion. 
Is this very different to get your head around or are you one of these drivers for whom a car is a car? Both. I think, uh, I always think a car is a car. Um, a rally driver could come to IndyCar and race really fast. A uh, supercar driver champion like Scott McLaughlin came to IndyCar and he's shining. Um, and he never drove a single seater before. So a car is a car, but at the same time, a Formula One car is the car. So it's very different to everything else I tested before or raced in my life. Um, I think I've been... Where? Where? You say it's the car. Where is it? Acceleration. Um, as soon as you take out the pit speed limit, you're like, oh my God. Um, it's not the top speed, because the top speed at the end of the day, it's really close. Um, but it's how you get there and how fast you get to that top speed. Um, and then downforce, it's mental. And the braking performance, it's... Yeah, it's hard to explain. So you think you're braking really late and you're braking at 100 meters and you're like, oh my God, my neck is going to, you know, get out uh, of my body. Um, but then you still have those 50 meters more that you can break and, and you start pushing more and more and the car, the car can handle it. So it's, it's just insane. So what happens next for you? I mean, just... As an observer looking from the outside in, you have nothing more to prove in IndyCar. You're the champion, you tick that box. Has this whetted your appetite for Formula One? Is this where you see your goal now? Um, yes and no. I mean, we won in IndyCar, but I only won one championship. I won more, didn't win the Indy 500, which that's the next target I have. And here I got the opportunity to drive uh, an old car, a 2021 car for McLaren. And I said, yes, please, yes. Um, and then I got the opportunity to drive in FP1. So I don't know what the next step is, who knows? Maybe it's uh, another test, maybe it's only winning the Indy 500 and I'll be happy either or. So I'll be ready. I think uh, my target was to prove that we could be fast in an F1 car. I think I tried on my abilities um, and yeah, we'll see what happens. Final one from me. Uh, there was a bit of controversy earlier in the year about super license points surrounding Colton Herta. Now that you've experienced this, what is your take on super license points? I think, uh, first of all, I have my super license, so I don't care what's going on. <laughs> it's easy for me to say, but yeah, to be honest, I think uh, IndyCar is such a tough competition. Um, I invite everybody to follow closely IndyCar and IndyCar drivers and how close the racing is uh, to see if we deserve a little bit more uh, points or not. It's a professional series. It's not a junior series. Um, and I'm not saying that we should have priority over other series, but maybe we should get a little bit more importance. For example, Colton Herta uh, won, I don't know, four or five races in IndyCar. So it's not like he won one by luck, strategy or whatever. He won because he's fast. I think he could be a really good F1 driver. And there was several teams in F1 that were willing to give him a chance um, and he's not in the F1 paddock now as a driver because of the points. So, yeah, I don't think they should have break the rules, but maybe they should have changed it for the future a little bit um, and make it easier for 
good IndyCar drivers to come to F1. Um, but yeah, we'll see. I have mine, so whatever. Yeah, okay. I can lease mine to Colton if he wants. I'm, I don't know if that's possible yeah, or not. You should mention that to the FIA. Yeah. I, I, I don't know if some guys are listening. I'm leasing my super license if you want for a year at least. Um, and we can talk about it a bit more. Alex, wonderful to have you on the show. Brilliant job here at Cota. And we hope to see you back sometime. Yeah, thank you so much. We're going to actually, we can see Mick Schumacher in the distance, former rival of yours. Yeah, he was my rival back in 2020, go cars, 2016 in Formula 4s. So, yeah, let's try to yeah. get some words from him. Yeah. Mick, have you got just two secs? Old rival of yours here, dying to do an interview with you. Okay. <laughs> Look, Mick, just sum up. It wasn't such a, an easy weekend for you here, but just to sum up your, your experience of racing in Kota and what the car was like. Yeah, obviously, uh, uh, it, <laughs> it, hasn't, it hasn't been uh, the most easy uh, weekend for us, but nonetheless, you know, we've... We've gotten uh, we've gotten down to the pace. We've uh, we've been there. Obviously, then took some car damage after the accident, um, and uh, and then yeah, you know the weekend was kind of done after that. How was the performance compromised by that? Well, I think it probably lost around like 30 to 40 points. So uh, if you're talking about uh, performance that's uh, gone. <laughs> Let's look bigger picture then. I mean, it has been a phenomenal weekend here. 450,000 people. Um, I know you have close links with America. You've got the ranch down the road and stuff like that. Have you had a warm reception from the American fans? Yeah, for sure. It's uh, it's always nice coming here. I love uh, being around and, uh, you know, it's, uh, there's so many possibilities, and especially when you come to Austin, it's always nice to feel this warm welcome, uh, especially, you know, being part of uh, the only American team out here. Uh, it's definitely nice to, uh, yeah, to come out here, drive, and then try to score points. I mean, Kevin did manage, so uh, you know that's obviously great for the team. But uh, I was hoping for four points for myself. And Kevin told us before the weekend that you deserve another crack next year. Well, I hope so. Watch out. Uh, you know, obviously, uh, yeah, things are things are going well uh, in the sense that we're driving well obviously uh, what uh, what the decision makers uh, do that's uh, that's out of my control but I can only perform uh, weekend in and weekend out mate, thanks for coming thanks, on the mate. show great Thank to you. see you we have an addendum to the show because the stewards of the meeting have been deliberating a protest from Haas towards the Alpine team, and it's to do with the right-hand wing mirror on Fernando Alonso's car, which he lost mid-Grand Prix, and it's been decided that Alonso will get a post-race 10-second stop-go penalty, which drops him from seventh place at the flag out of the points. So the top 10 looks like this. Max Verstappen wins his 13th race of the season to claim the Constructors' Championship for Red Bull. Lewis Hamilton is second, his third second place of the season. And Charles Leclerc is the final man on the podium after that great drive from 12th to 3rd. Sergio Perez finishes fourth, George Russell fifth after that incident with Carlos Sainz at Turn 1. Lando Norris is sixth. And with Alonso gone, Sebastian Vettel, the driver of the day, finishes seventh. Kevin Magnussen jumps up to eighth in the Haas. Yuki Tsunoda is ninth. And Esteban Ocon gets a point for Alpine in tenth. Guys, that's 
pretty much the end of the show. Um, I think we need some final thoughts. Now, Sebastian Vettel was the fans' driver of the day. Uh, There's also Mike... this guy who might have to interview here. Ah, Teo Pocher. He, do you know what, Teo? Felipe's pointing out all of his F2 mates to me at the minute. Yeah. <laughs> and of course, look, you, you ran half in... half of the, the F2 grid on, on, on <laughs> the paddock here. Hey, Teo, you ran in uh, FP1 for Alfa Romeo. How was it? It was amazing. It was uh, a cool experience and uh, I learned a lot. It's very fast compared to F2. I was uh, a bit lost the first few laps, but uh, no, really, really happy about it. And um, I'm learning a, a lot of things, you know. This weekend I was with the, with the team. I will be in Mexico with the team as well. FP1 in Mexico? No, no, no. Unfortunately, not only a bit of tequila and, uh, and uh, <laughs> nachos, that's it. Hey, what about FP1 in Abu Dhabi? I want to see you and Felipe on track together in FP1. Um, I don't know yet if I will be doing the FP1 in Abu Dhabi. For sure, I will be doing the rookie test day. So I guess Felipe will be doing the, the rookie test day as well. So uh, we will be on track together. That's a photograph we need. Yeah, maybe a little bit, a little bit less fighting than uh, on track uh, on right. two. Teo, great to see you. Thank, Thank you. you. Thanks Thank for coming you. on the show. So if we stop getting interrupted, lads, uh, driver of the day from the fans' point of view was, of course, uh, Sebastian Vettel. Going to put that question to you. Uh, Felipe, driver of the day. Vettel, easy. So. You can say someone else. I know you're wearing a green shirt. No, I agree with you. I agree. I'm only winding you up. I thought Vettel was phenomenal. I mean... I'm absolutely biased here, but uh, I think both drivers did a really good job. Uh, Sebastian and, and Lance. Uh, Lance, his lap in Pali was exceptional. Uh, obviously, I was watching the onboard. I was actually impressed by that. And, uh, you know, also uh, Sebastian in the race, he did an amazing job uh, just preserving the tyres. And he was actually, every stint, he was focusing on, on the end of the stint and just, yeah, just blew the others away. So very happy for him. Hang on, but, Sebastian, uh, were your ears burning at that exact moment? Because he, Felipe's just been waxing lyrical about you and saying all the things he's learning from you. And also, what a phenomenal race. And I'm going to say that as well. What a phenomenal race from you today. Yeah, it was. It was good fun. Why, why were my ears burning? I didn't get that, sorry. Because we were talking about you. You driver of the day. Ah, we yeah, just sort of we were saying nice yeah. things about you. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it's obviously nice. Obviously, we would have uh, liked to score a couple more points. Not sure I would have gotten driver of the day because I think the moves contributed at the end. But um, yeah, I got to enjoy the last couple of laps a lot and it was a lot of fun. So yeah, and thank you. I mean, I'm open. Yeah, I'm a bit biased, but yeah, okay. Yeah. <laughs> you seem to be really hooked up with this car these last few races. Well, also it's true that it keeps getting better. I think it's us understanding the car. We're not necessarily put on bits now, but um, yeah, it would be, gr would be great if we can keep the performance that we had this weekend up for the last races. You've got a doll in your hand. Oh, no, no, it's you. It's, it's <laughs> me. So Who gave you that? It's a fan, so it's a nice gift. I'm going to take it with me. So thanks for your time. Brilliant race. You're our driver of the day. Well done, mate. See you next week. Oh, no, we're going to get interrupted again. Are we? <laughs> Here comes Fernando. What a race by you today. How do you sum it up? Yeah, I mean, not not easy race. We started 14th, we went to up to six, then uh, we had the car broken for half a lap, 17th, and then we finished seventh. So yeah, a lot of things going on in the race today. But um, yeah, at the end it was it was a lucky one, and I'm happy to be talking here and not in the medical center, to be honest, because it was a, a scary moment. You never know when you are flying if you will end it up on the left on the 
metallic fence that you see in IndyCar, these kind of accidents. So, yeah, I got lucky today. Who is your driver of the day today, Diego? I think it's difficult to go against Max, the way he recovered. I think he's, he's won in every possible way this, this year. This race has thrown, like we were saying, different challenges. He overcome those again, took the Constructors' Championship in a weekend that was special for the team. So, yeah, but also Fernando, I think he, he, did, a, he did a great race. Uh, he, was, he was doing a great race already before everything that unfolded, and the way he wrapped it up with 34 laps on the hearts <laughs> was, was pretty good as well. He's brilliant at keeping those tyres alive, isn't he? Well, as you asked, my driver of the day... <laughs> Look, my, I'm going to go for Hamilton, actually. It's interesting that we picked three different guys. I thought, I thought we saw the Lewis of old today. Um, for a moment, I felt he thought he could win that race today. Yeah. And, I, and I, you know, it, it had shades of last year when it was Hamilton and Max again, wasn't it? But, of course, it was... Uh, and I just thought it was wonderful to see Lewis driving so brilliantly out front, so consistent. You know, as, as Max was closing in on him, he was banging in laps within a tenth of a second of each other, lap after lap. It was, it was wonderful to see. And it's also great to see that we can come up with three different drivers of the day. And I think that actually reflects the quality that we've got in Formula One at the moment. Here ends a phenomenal weekend at Cota. 450,000 fans. Wait. There's the Fiesta coming up. Mexico, there's the Fiesta <laughs> okay, coming up. Okay. <laughs> that, oh my goodness. How can it be bigger and better in Mexico than it is here? Because it's just been incredible, isn't it? I mean, it is real, ladies and gentlemen. You know, Formula One in America is now a huge thing. And it was only this weekend, of course, that a new deal with the ESPN was announced a further three, three years. So. The TV coverage is going from strength to strength. We've got three races, of course, coming up next year in the US. The atmosphere is being amazing. I watched Green Day on Friday night in concert. <laughs> um, it's been great, and it's been equally great having both of you on the show at this race. So thank you for your time, and see you in Mexico. Absolutely, yeah. I think I covered for a while racing here in the US, IndyCar, even NASCAR did a lot following Juan Montoya. And uh, you feel that this is like way beyond whatever has been the following for Formula One in the US. Uh, and I'm glad to see it because obviously it's the biggest market and uh, yeah, it, it will only keep growing with Vegas coming in next year. All right, guys, thank you so much. Thank you. F1 Nation is produced by Formula One and Audio Boom Studios. <laughs>